Everything trucks. Trucks, trucks, trucks. Let's go. I have an agenda I didn't share with you. Oh, I was uh, going to ask. Yeah. Yeah, I feel good. I think we have four big topics to talk about. So like welcome to Stepside, Joel. How the hell are you doing? It's been two months. Holy cow, we are chock a block with things to talk about. Two months of content. Yeah, hold on. I both spoke over your intro and I'm chewing gum. And to be clear, I think we should save it. That's <laughs> the that our also, is. I love. I'm in some weird new view of our recording sessions. It says app is not focused, meaning I like I'm looking at my notes, but it tells me when you are not staring directly at your camera. Oh, so. what? This is crazy. AI yeah. is ruining everything. I was thinking we should talk about the Toyota universe and Tacomas and Tundras and all the news that's about to drop there. Who knows? Sure. I feel like we got to talk about the Ford Ranger Raptor finally 100%. sort of debuted. And I love that they debuted it in a weird green brown color. I was just like, is this specifically color. for Joel? Like, <laughs> I just know he loves this color. Oh, it's then, so good. I would love to talk about the new Jeeps. I should talk about how I sold my Rivian, which is wild. I only owned it for six weeks after all this talk for fucking two years, three years. I, uh, I love the format change where you wrote all the plans this time to talk about. I have me. no idea. No, this yeah. is great. Like, I yeah. feel like I'm the interview. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about first? I guess right, let's, let's talk see. about Toyota stuff. Like, oh, um, yeah, it's, I'm it's way on the outside. You've got like a hot article to drop, but like. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I basically just wrote a little tee up article for my friends at the Autopian that was like posing the question, is a fourth gen Tacoma still going to be a Tacoma if it's going to be so goddamn expensive? And I had a couple of nice little jokes and flourishes in there and the signature Johnson style. It, and actually, you know, it, the post is fine or whatever, but it was mostly just a prompt to set up the launch for tomorrow. We're recording on the 18th. The launch is the 19th. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Uh, so I've seen test mules of the new Tacoma. It looks like a baby Tundra. It's funny. Toyota has to be super secret. This is probably the number one selling midsize truck in the world. And not to go down a whole rumor mill, but like one executive in an auto company saying we might do this can turn into a blog post that somebody yeah. says like, oh, yeah. your Stellantis is building a mini Ram. Probably the engine's going to get smaller, but more powerful. Like they have to keep impressing Americans with like you know, it was 240 horsepower before it's 300 now, even though this engine is half the size and then dudes feel bad about having a four cylinder with bi turbo or whatever it takes to get there. But like, you know, they need to get 20 miles a gallon or more. I think this launch is pretty well known. So there was a rumor about six months ago that there was a Brazilian, if I recall correctly, patent office leak that hmm. showed a render that looked very similar to the render in that EV spread YouTube video they did like a year ago of being like, by the way, we are going to build EVs, maybe Someday. wink, wink. Yeah. And once that happened, once that proved to be true, and Toyota even made a joke about it in one of their teaser social media posts, everything else I've seen after that, I'm just presuming is correct. So for me, the highlights are this one, it's probably going to have different, they're going to maintain like an access cab, what they call a two door or like an oh, extended cool. cab. Yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't seen anything that says the pure two door, like a fleet truck kind of thing is going to make it. And probably maybe there's going to be different bed links. Tacoma traditionally, well, second and third gen has had five foot and six foot beds, mm -hmm. but you know, that's. Only novel because Ranger and Colorado in the updates have said four doors, five foot bed. That's what we're doing. Yeah. No more long yeah. bed options. No more yeah. long bed. From what I have heard kind of moving around my network, some sort of turbo four, just like everybody else as the baseline and that there will be a hybrid probably at the high end, but not a plug-in hybrid. So if that's true, cool. If not, whatever. I, I will say for me, you know, I've been saying for the entirety of the podcast that I'm waiting to see if somebody makes a plug-in hybrid truck. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not expecting the Tacoma to be that to a point where I'm already going like, eh, all right, I'll, I'll know tomorrow what I'm going to buy. But the Tacoma's on a level playing field. God, it's just going to be, I mean, they're probably going to make it bigger so they can justify the cost because... 
that's the other thing I think with the Ranger Raptor and the GMC and the Chevy, like the cool ATX stuff that's coming out. Those things are like 65 grand for a mid-sized truck. You, you know, know what? I'm going to push back on you a little bit because we've, <laughs> we've, we've bitched about this in our old man mode a few times. Yeah. What, what I realized yesterday writing that little teaser post for the Tacoma is that the Tacoma really hasn't, and, and arguably the Ranger and the Colorado and, and everything else, the baseline is for the trucks, I don't think have gone up that much. Like you right. can get a brand it, new yeah. Colorado for 30 grand. Yeah. You can get a brand new Ranger probably. I don't remember. Cloth seats, like, like work truck. Yeah. Yeah. What has happened is one, we got more money so we can afford nicer things. And two, they've added trim levels up top. So yeah. it's like the TRD off-road, which in the second gen and at the beginning, I believe of the third gen, was the top trim or, you know, TRD sport they also had, but nobody really bought that was the top trim. Now that's the mid tier trim. Like now they have a TRD pro above that on the Tacoma that's and the there's a TRD trail master trail hunter. It does suck that they like bake in a lot of features that I think people want every day, but only at the super high end. So like if you want, and maybe I'm a weirdo, I love like naggy things like blind spot monitoring. It's just like, these are what computers, computers are always looking to make sure I don't get in an accident. That's great. It's fine. It's nice when there's a little light on the yeah, mirror with that you. says I don't like change that. lanes. As long as you can turn it off and off road. Yeah. Beside, yeah, I like it. And like, I think my Jeep actually beeps at me if I go to, if I turn on my blinker and someone's in my blind spot, it'll just beep like loud beeps. And I'm like, is okay, it, it's it shocking you if you don't wave to another Jeep owner <laughs> as you go by, <laughs> you lose one Jeep point. <laughs> I mean, the, I will say this. Well, no, tomorrow. But they'll but, just put that on the $65,000 model. And you're like, uh, why can't I get but that the on Japanese, the 34? But the Japanese yeah. manufacturers haven't been doing that. Like mm -hmm. the Honda Sensing, Toyota's ADAS suite, most of that's on from the bottom up. It's only been the American manufacturers that have like kept some safety as safety kind of features up top. Right. I think in this generation, I, I would have to go back and look at Colorado and Rangers spec sheets or like, you know, by trim. I think like lane change and backup sensors and a lot of that stuff is fairly universal and where they're starting to differentiate at the top is in like ADAS and things like that in 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 all cars and then i think in these trucks more specifically they're differentiating of course in visuals but it's really more the off-roady tough boy like you know <laughs> like 2.0 shocks 2.5 right shocks. exactly like we're yeah. gonna put bigger shocks it's gonna come with 33s it's but gonna those have are, like yeah whatever. those things like you know you can get a 3.0 shock high-end set for like under three grand but they'll put five or ten on the trim like it's that's right it's a lot. I don't know. The, there's something interesting in the Colorado that I was looking at with the trims where they have a trail boss that is doesn't have the Multimatic shocks, which you wouldn't expect it to. You, only the ZR2 would would have it. But the trail boss is a wider track, same, same track as the ZR2, but it has a limited slip in the rear, whereas the ZR2 has front and rear lockers. Right. So I do think lockers have become yeah. this funny thing where like lockers are legit. They really do help. It's not bullshit. However... <laughs> Like they're able they to dangle that. Yeah, the lock. <laughs> I was looking the at the whole Ford. Bron I was like, you know, uh, whatever fit of rage the other night. I was like, you know, Jeeps are just clunky ass 1800s wagons. I feel like, including mine. And I was like, what is the Bronco lineup like? And it's crazy. There's like eight models, but front lockers was only on like the top two tiers, which are like way up there in price. Like, it's interesting because I don't know. You know, I know how a locker works and I've seen the inside of one. I'm just trying to think from a pure parts standpoint, like if they're actually that more expensive to make, I guess a conversation for another time, but you know, there is some other stuff around it too. Like they do tend to bolster those vehicles a little bit more, you know, Tacoma's cool. I honestly think we can wait another two months to talk about it. Cause we'll know tomorrow. Yeah. What's your dream Tacoma? Ooh. I mean, you're going to say plug-in hybrid is probably not going to happen, but... No, I mean, yeah, obviously that. I think if there were a Tacoma with a decent engine, and I think everything below the hybrids will have the same engine, and also all these turbo fours can be tuned and flashed, and you know, like, like that's how Colorado is doing it. You could do it aftermarket. I think as long as, you know, my, my deal breaker on anything that I've said to buy, it's why I didn't buy a last gen zero two 
was I have to have adaptive cruise control. Like, that's just, <laughs> yeah. like and I, it's not a very cool trucky boy thing to want, but like, I gotta have that. The rest of it, I don't really care. But funnily enough, you know, like I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, what would it take to get me to choose a Tacoma over the other two major options right now? And I'm like, I, it's all kind of coming down to taste to a great degree. And unless Toyota was gonna undercut them on price, which I can't imagine they would do because they're still the market segment brand sentiment leader or whatever you want to call it. It's actually going to be an interesting time for them because like, I don't know on the high end, I can see that some people are going to drop $65,000 for a trail hunter and maybe cross shop it with a Ranger Raptor on the low end. I think it's going to be a real hard argument to make between all of them. Like it's mm-hmm. going to be, I can't imagine that anything Toyota is going to do from a frame suspension locker bolstering even even like kind of convenience features that that the american twins or triplets don't already do right yeah i mean i guess we're lucky that everything's really good right now i think we have like an embarrassment of riches and all that but like you know the top end the ford raptor ranger looks amazing actually incredible 400 horsepower it's bonkers but the Chevys look amazing. The Tacoma TRDs and the Trail Hunters going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. They're going to update that interior for the first time since like 2004. I mean, like they keep updating it, but like they're just doing it in small ways. Like they'll truly be a modern interior in the Toyotas and maybe the seats will fit people. But uh, but like, yeah, it, I, I think the, the Marcus have like coalesced on the same design kind of, mm-hmm. where it's like a really, really capable truck that's nimble. That's hopefully a lot of power and also gets decent mileage and has every feature you'd ever want. For yeah, the way I would state it right now is like, if you buy one of the GM twins, you're buying the shocks. You're buying those Multimatic shocks. <laughs> if you're buying a Ranger Raptor, you're buying the engine. Engine, yeah. And if you're buying the Tacoma, you're buying- Probably the interior. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is pretty weak, but like, I mean, not I saying we know what it looks yeah. like, but I'm just saying like, uh, I, ma- interior matters to me, but if that's their only- distinguishing quality it's going to be rough that yeah. said they're going to sell a quarter of a million of them in the first the, they will sell right. more than they can yeah. make and yeah. let's actually talk about the ranger after a little bit because that yeah, launched sure. a week and a half ago yeah <sighs> by the metric and and guiding north star of this whole podcast what truck will i buy next <laughs> unless unless you well know, there's, no it. there's no pricing there's no there's pricing was there there's pricing? pricing? Okay, I saw early stuff where like they hadn't done pricing yet or mileage stuff. This is all this is all forum knowledge, not any sort of insight oh. or, or thing I have. No, not the pricing. What I'm about to say, right. the Ranger Raptor is only like one allocation per dealer right now, which if one it's anything, single truck. Yeah, and so wow. if it's anything like for, for launch, if it's anything like the Bronco Raptor, it'll it. You won't be able to get one for less than 80, 80, five. And I'm kind of bummed because price, irrespective of price, the Ranger Raptor probably gives me the most fizz for a variety of reasons. Obviously the engine is legit and it's not crazy. I mean, 400 horsepower is a lot, but it's not 600 horsepower. Like, but it, but it clearly has been size. That's like, that's going to be the king. Everybody else is gonna have or has 350 plus yeah. you know or yeah. or and and you know really you should be buying if against torque not horsepower right. but it's the thing about the ranger raptor it's the only one that looks stupid like in a good <laughs> way where and i don't mean visually it's the only one that i i feel like the engineers sat down and they went we're gonna make something stupid and it's gonna sound really incredible and it's gonna be like tossable and yeah, it's can go off road and like, that's what it's really supposed to be for. But as all trucks, you know, do, it's going to spend 99% of its time on the road. Yeah. And the Ranger Raptor is the one to me that I'm like, I can pull up to some place and people will be like, this guy's an asshole. And that's kind <laughs> of what I want. And, but, but I'm, I've immediately banished it from my mind because I'm like, paying the MSRP, which is roughly 65, was already crazy. Right, yeah. And trying to fight to get one with dealer markup on top, like absolutely not. So the Turbo 6, which I think they put the 
Well, actually, you know what? Oh, it's the Bronco Raptor detuned a little bit. It's the it's the two seven detuned, but they or no, I think it's a three zero detuned. Is if oh yeah yeah it is three point zero, but three point zero. The two seven is the actual bit of news here in the Ranger that got some attention, but obviously the Ranger Raptor like was what all the you know the excitement was about. The fact that they are offering that two seven turbocharged six as a engine option in the lower trims. Like that's a a lot of engine, and which means it's the only V six in the mid sizes. Presuming Tacoma launches with a four tomorrow, and it it just will. So like Rangers looking pretty good, but Ford has had a bunch of production issues, and you know we'll see we'll see where it goes. the 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 long story short is like I would I'll make two I'll make two two claims. The first one is easy. Like mid size is fully back now. Like there's options, and they're not. We brought this truck that we only sell in Sri Lanka back to the U.S. Like they're all engineer, you know, re-engineered for the most part, like new models. But the other thing is, I would say, accepting maybe a few outliers like the TRX and the the Raptor, I think midsizes are bigger news now in truck land, in truck culture than full size. Not to say they're bigger sellers yet necessarily, but I think. The demand is clearly there. And I think a lot of non-truck people who are even considering a truck are looking at that. And that's why the prices are going up more. Full yeah. size has gone into weird luxury zone. And now midsize is and also the like construction guys kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, not sure. Suburban dads, like people scoffed when the Ridgeline came out, but I was like, this is just enough truck for any suburban dad. 100%. Like Ridge you can carry rules. a lawnmower, you can like, I, I could do, I would get mocked at Home Depot in mine, but yeah. like it carried a sheet of plywood just fine. And it was perfect for- I would love to have a Ridgeline. The only reason I don't have a Ridgeline now is that the first gen ones had some problems and the second yeah. gen ones are not fuel efficient and they are not cheap. Right, so, right. you know, for me, I'm like, well, what's the benefit? I would, uh, everywhere I go in the Maverick, if I'm meeting someone new, I have to, we have to talk about the Maverick for five minutes. Like I just bought some belly mower for my tractor and I had to like meet a guy in Washington state. And he was just like, holy shit, a Maverick. And like wanted to look inside and paw everything. And, and so I think like, I don't know. I I really think like the small truck segment could be big. Like they can't clearly, like I have a friend who borrowed mine for a week and she wants one and you can't even order one till maybe July. And there might be caveats. (laughs) And it's like, they should have. Like, like, I think, I think what America really wants is small trucks, but there's just nothing, there's no options yet. What I think is going to happen, you know, these things, product design cycles are shortening even with the classic OEMs, right? It used to be when we were young, it was seven years ish. Then in our adulthood, it was like five. Five. I just was speaking to a, a, a product planner last week who was saying, you know, it still depends, but things are getting more like three and with everybody moving to like software defined vehicles and things like that yeah and well yeah and electrification too like it's still going to be a couple of years but like that's a pretty incredible progression within the industry however when it comes to matching that to what you know what were interest rates and people doing <laughs> two years ago yeah. versus now? What like, were gas prices six months ago exactly. versus, yeah. I'm with you though, in the near term, you know, call it the next five years, whoever can get, whether it's Ford or, you know, GM's almost certainly going to do one, Toyota's thinking about it. Whoever can get unibody or body on frame, but small truck deployed at a price That's somewhere scary. between 25 and 35 yeah are going to clean up yeah. because you know there's lots of people who are body on frame truck guys only we're kind of that way for the ones you know that we want but i would have a maverick in a heartbeat if i could get one for a decent price yeah. and like yep. it's not it's not a macho thing it's just like you know i it's funny i have a friend here in town actually a car journalist and uh, you know he's always trying to bust my balls about wanting a truck do you really need a truck like oh wouldn't you be better with blah 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 and i like you know you live in the suburbs like me and i'm like yeah but i do shit like <laughs> like and and not anything manly and macho it's just that like 
sometimes I need to buy things that are taller than three feet. Like, come on, that's it. That's all I, that's all I need it for. I just need a bed. Oh, well, why don't you rent a trailer? Cause that sucks. Like, you know, it's like, don't tell me that I don't use it or that a car is just as good. A car's great until it isn't. And a Maverick or any of these small trucks, that is the thing. Doesn't matter that they're unibody, doesn't matter that even frankly, to a certain extent that they're small, it's just that they have a bed and like mm. beds are cool and useful. So yeah, I want to, I want to see it. I want to see that market go up, but they can only build so many things for so long. And it's also getting trapped in the trap that all of the segmentation with the industry is trapped under right now, which is, do we try to make another gas truck or do we just say, we're going to wait until EVs are here and then we'll figure out the segments there. And so, yeah, yeah it would make sense if they had them today and they could right. produce them, they would sell them, but that doesn't mean it makes sense to go down a two or three year project yeah. to get it there. I will say before you move on to your next thing that I don't know about, I'm probably going to buy a ZR2. Really? Like, huh. Which surprises me more than anybody. Not because I have a problem with Chevy or GM at all. There's not it's much just... difference between GM and Chevy and that, like the ATX4. You mean the and GMC that... and Chevy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like there's uh, no real difference between those two top-end offers. There really isn't. I mean, okay. like the, the distinguishing feature is really the interior. Yeah. But I don't give a shit. I mean, the both interiors look nice, even in why the reviews. One, why did one come out like three months before the other, even though they're the same platform? I don't understand. Did they just not want to step on their own marketing? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that separated. They were only separating it by a few weeks. But what they're trying to do with GMC, and you see it in the Canyon, is that like they're trying to finally make GMC the premium brand that it is. Mm -hmm, and yeah. so technically, like the ATX or the eight. Sorry, I always screw this up. AT4X is, I, I, it doesn't matter. It has a couple of things that are feature-wise, performance-wise, a little nicer than the ZR2. I would say it's probably a nicer looking truck, although it's not, you know, that different. It's a lot of shared, shared body panels, a lot of shared design. What I would say is that the AT4X first edition, which also had some uh, bullshit tacked on i think was 59 mm -hmm. and i thought about it but i ranger hadn't been fully announced although we knew what was happening in global markets and i wanted to see you know what was up as we have a good sense of everything now i'm looking at zr2 going it's 46 grand it's got front and rear lockers it has an engine that maybe isn't exciting, but is plenty. And I like the way it looks a lot, arguably. I think it looks better than the other two. And if I really just need a truck with lockers, and I, I guess I'm leaving the most important part for last, and you can buy it. Yeah. Like, I think it's gonna not be that hard to make because GM, for all their faults, makes vehicles. Like for the most part, they're having some problems over in EV land, but their normal stuff they 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 make. Like there are already new Colorados in people's driveways today. Not ZR2s, but like the ZR2 didn't start production until this month. Yeah. So like I will be able to within the next couple of months walk into a Chevy dealer, probably pay MSRP and buy a ZR2. And to me, like great, like perfect. Like what what more do I need? And would I rather have a Ranger Raptor? Yes. Would I rather pay twice as much money? No, absolutely not. That's insane. <laughs> wow, the interior looks great in the ZR2. I have this thing, I should probably pitch this as the Autopian, that uh, there's a cargo cult around stupid dashboard design that everyone's trying to make a Tesla-style giant waterfall dash, and I think I'm seeing that on the Fords. And they're not actually useful, like Android Auto and CarPlay work better on wider screens. And the, so the Chevy has a nice wide screen. The Chevy 1500 Silverado has a really wide short screen. The new Jeep has a really wide, like 13 inch wide, only four or five inches tall. It, Cause that's all you need for screen real estate is like for showing apps and showing all the things you can do with it. You need width, not height. The height is actually awkward and weird. It doesn't really work with backup cameras. And I feel like it's just, everyone's just chasing the puck and going, let's just do what Tesla did. Like Ford going all the way down that path. 
people I know with like Mach-E's, they hate it. Like the corner of it stabs your knee and stuff. It's so <laughs> tall and it's so sharp and large. And like your backup camera is this little postage stamp in the middle. Like, you know, like what are we doing with this giant newspaper <laughs> like in the middle of a dash? So that's always like, that's my current bugaboo is like, did they go wide with the screen or did they go tall? Because if they went tall, they haven't done any human factors research or anything. They're just like following Tesla. And the wide I, stuff is like legitimately better. This is right off the dome. And I am supposed to start working on a big piece about user experience inside of vehicles that I <laughs> have been too busy to get started on. But, you know, there's that that old Colin Chapman thing that he said that, you know, a stick shift should only be one hand width away at most from a steering wheel. Right. And I kind of feel the same way about screens, which is like maybe not a hand width, but I, if I have to look down to right. get any information, you they're fail. fucking up. Yeah. And it's like... I, I actually believe from a organizing the information and integrating it with everything standpoint, there's nothing wrong with a vertical screen. Like it can't, that part can and is relatively well solved. I think from a safety and user experience standpoint though, it makes a lot more sense for there to be, I mean, look, like it's just, it's obvious. It's like the, the most critical information should be on a heads up display maybe like heads up displays can be annoying but let's 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 presume they weren't yeah, yeah most critical thing there second most critical thing one half glance down in the in the gauge cluster then anything from there right to the right but still where my eyes are not moving down yeah top my, of the dash my, my peripheral is still looking through the screen by yeah. or through the windscreen by and large yeah and so I don't have a problem with them aesthetically. I don't have a problem with them, you know, for any other reason but that. And Chevy, Mercedes, a few, or GM and Mercedes and a few other, most, I don't know, maybe half of the manufacturers have said, we're going wide and long. Yeah. And I think the only challenge with that, now we're getting super <laughs> geeky, like is it does limit your overall screen height, right? But But there's a point of diminishing returns, like, I like, I think there's a giant difference between like an eight inch screen and a 12 inch screen. I don't think there's a giant difference between a 12 inch screen and an 18 inch screen. Right. You know, it's right. like after a certain point, as long as I can read the text and I can distinguish the glyphs and vectors, yeah. good enough. You, you have the Volvo with the center stack with the tiny, tiny CarPlay, which is like a virtual six inch screen or something. Like my wife's Volvo, it just barely functions. And then a friend just got a Tundra with the 14.4 and he's just like this is insane it's like a laptop open on your dash and i'm like yeah. it is i think everything after 11 inches is just too much like it's just fine it's fine it doesn't get yeah measurably better to one more little nerd tangent <laughs> so i did you know i i lots of people wrote about it people are still writing about it i have gone on the record on twitter and said that I think that it's a mistake, but GM has said that from here on out, they're not supporting CarPlay. Yeah. And their system runs on Google or Android Automotive, which is different mm -hmm. than Android Auto, which is the CarPlay analog. Right. It's, it's just think of it as, it's just right. the operating system. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of. Yeah, and lots of people do. Like it's actually pretty yeah. successful in the, right. in the marketplace, but which I don't care, but let me yeah. use fucking CarPlay because like that's my right. platform. I, so many people wrote about it and I still feel like I should write about it because I can make better arguments. Uh, no offense to <laughs> people that have written about it. Like, or I can extend those arguments even more. I, is, I really yeah. genuinely think GM's making a mistake. Yep. But to, to, to talk specifically about the Colorado, I was watching some videos of test drives last night and they were like, and Google Maps displays on the center, on the gauge cluster, if you uh, wanted to, which I've never had a car that, in fact, I don't think any cars do, uh, support CarPlay maps on the no. center. And I was like, is this, as a person with OCD, going to drive me insane that it supports CarPlay, but if I want to get Google or a map on the center gauge, like I'm going to yeah. have to use Google Maps, but I prefer Apple Maps. And I was just like, why are you making me choose? This is so stupid. <laughs> Oh my God, the, you know, I didn't dive deep in the news, but I saw the headlines and sort of like extrapolated that seems like it's control. I mean, 
And I've also heard this from insiders at Rivian that like in upper management, it's like a control issue. It's like at Rivian specifically, it's like we worked five years on this barely functional OS that's pretty good. That's all Android, but like, and we could just sideload CarPlay in it in a hot, in a hot second. My Ridgeline was running Android 4.3 the whole time I owned it. And it's just running CarPlay on top of it. That's what pretty much everything does. And they were just like, no, 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 that's giving up. That's abandoning our customer and being like, well, I still want to use like, I can still use your EV places I should charge up using the stock map, but I should be able to flick over to my music or my podcasts or new text and then flick back to what I need. But they don't want to touch it. And I have a feeling like Chevy, like I remember when Apple came out with that whole, like we're, we're thinking about an Apple OS dashboard view with weather. Yeah, last, yeah, last summer at WWDC. It was such a lukewarm response from the car industry that was like, no one wants to touch this. There's a lot of like, like Google is sort of like seen as sort of like this, I don't know, beneficial ally that is this big giant 900 <laughs> pound gorilla, but they seem decent and they don't gobble. Well, they probably do gobble up data, but like they seem to let Chevy and Volvo and everyone who uses Google. Well, OS, they're, an o like, they're an OS vendor and yeah. Apple isn't. Yeah, like, and Apple is like hardware and everything and assimilation. Apple only makes an OS for its hardware. Yeah. Android runs on anything. Yeah. And so I have a feeling Chevy and stuff are like a little pissed that like if more stuff is shunted off to Apple and CarPlay, it's like out of their hands. They can't track things. They can't customize things. It's up to another company, even though everything's true with Google. I know more about this than I can really say, <laughs> but there's one soft thing I can say and one still soft, but a little more financially based. The first is that automakers, automaker executives who live in a world of supply chains and tier one and tier two and tier three vendors have always been in charge of their supply chain. And Apple represents to them the first time that a piece of their vehicles is being demanded by customers that and in giving a an outside party control over their stack, if you want to call mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And customer experience, blah, 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 which is why they always lean into the customer experience thing. Oh, our cus we're going to do better stuff for our customers. It's a hundred percent horseshit, and this is why. <laughs> Just like AVs and ADAS and a lot of the sensor suite stuff, there, there, there were dozens of autonomous programs that were developed inside of OEMs. And while you know that industry, that part of the industry is not sorted yet, right now, by and large, most of the autonomy solutions in shipping vehicles came from outside vendors. But they were outside vendors that were largely client states of the automakers apple to them represents a a unknown and they are responding it to it in a very primate way mm -hmm. of being like we don't control this and therefore we don't like it and also they maybe are going to make a car so why would we give like in the short in the in the very limbic system response i i get it all right i sympathize but think they're wrong and in the long term, I get it where they're like, this is a tough business. We got to keep as much you know, advantage and control as we can. However, the reality is they're not making just an OS. I mean, and they're not making the Android automotive OS. They can't, they don't have the money and resources or the skill to make an OS. And moreover, the OS is not what they are replacing. What they are replacing is an app ecosystem and an information integration that lives in the fucking phone not and never ever ever in the car yeah so it's like they are if you want to boil it down what they are saying is we think that we can make a better phone than apple and it's like <laughs> no you fucking can't because your phones cost seventy thousand dollars take gas and can't be put in a pocket the yeah. phone won phones, <laughs> let the phone win phones. And so the reason financial, that was just number one. The second reason is when they look at the future of the industry, 
as they have increased prices and then the dealer markups have added to that, although that's outside of the OEM control to a great degree, they are now looking at cars, if you look at it through an economic model, that many people, because of increasing wealth disparity, can't purchase a car. Or when they do purchase a car, they're buying it on an 84-month loan and you know at a crazy interest rate. And they are bringing a lot of profits in now, but are also understanding in the transition to EV that EV they may get a, a higher initial sales price, but that those cars will last longer and have less service income. And so when they sit down and they're doing their financial modeling for the next 10 years, they have a big fucking hole in it. And they go, well, where's our growth? And instead of going, well, we might have to come up with new product segments, or we might have to deepen the functionality of our existing cars. They have penciled in and been snookered by a bunch of people in, in house and out of house to say, oh, that big giant hole, you're going to fill it with this thing called subscriptions. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, okay, great. Like GM said in public that they are planning on, I think, 20 billion a year man, I, sorry, don't quote me on this. I don't remember the number, but it was like a 10 X of what it is today in like 10 years on subscription alone. Hmm. Ford just announced that blue cruise, their semi-autonomous system that is in vehicles today, which is currently <laughs> $200 a year is going up to $800 a year. Wow. Like, I, I am telling you, even if it were not taking out any sort of like moral implication, cause I don't really think it's a moral or ethical issue talking purely from like how much shit people will take yeah like the the reason it's a problem is that these are not captive markets all it takes is honda or hyundai or one of the chinese manufacturers to come in and say oh yeah that was dumb here's a car it's thirty thousand dollars it gets 300 miles of range and you can use carplay and it has no subscriptions there you go and so they are walking headlong into a situation where people not only don't buy their vehicles, but hate them. Yeah. And, yeah. and <laughs> as a person that works in the corporate world, I have empathy for how hard that problem is and how to get, you know, how hard it is to get people on the same page. Yeah. But that is a hundred percent why. And there's no one at General Motors who can look you in the eye. I, I'm not saying this personally. I don't. I have friends there still, I have no professional relationship and I don't ask them about any professional things, but I would posit that there is no single person inside of General Motors that could look you in the eye and say, this is actually better for customers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, if it's not better for customers and they have choices to go somewhere else, yeah, wow. I'm just a simple country, you know, <laughs> brand strategist, but like, Come uh, the fuck on. So I remember when CarPlay was first announced and I said, wow, I probably will buy my next car based on the availability. And at first in 2015, I think they announced like Volvo would be the first launch partner. And then Jason Kotke personally called me out to joke. It's a car. It's not a phone charger. And, and I think this is what, eight years later, like these are basically phone caddies for giving yeah. us around. Like, that is how everyone views these things. They don't want their cars to get in the way of them. They want them to do what they want safely. And like, it's bonkers. The other day, I thought the funniest subscription thing ever, which was I have these dumb Wi-Fi garage doors um, made by LiftMaster. And they have their own app and it talks to, to Apple HomeKit and stuff. So I use it that way and stuff for automations. But it's starting to like send me ads. So like they're trying to pitch like ring cameras that are part of the garage door so you can see inside your garage and outside your garage. And they've been pitching me like Amazon deliveries inside your garage. You can like give a key to Amazon drivers to open your garage, put it inside. And and I was like, I would drive over like USB cables all day long, but not seeing them. But then the other thing was it said, do you want to open this garage door from your Tesla? explore monthly packages was like the action Ooh. button and i went what because it's it's a phone app on your phone that you just press to open the garage door and they're like well if you want to do it from your dashboard in your tesla let's explore some monthly pricing plans and i was like 
<laughs> why don't you why don't you sit down with one of our garage door specialists and talk through <laughs> what do we the, need to uh, do to yeah. get you to move into this garage door like i was just laughing at like boy you can get a tesla owner to subscribe to anything if it's just a button to open your garage door i mean that's the argument always in the you know the the other side of it is like well people are buying it right but like make a product yeah that costs that much and people will pay for it if you want to make more money. But yeah, sure for a while, but, but it's like, abusive. I, yeah. And it only saturated like that market is only saturated so much and the economy for whatever, you know, parts, you know, ignore the stock market, ignore all the rich people indices, like the real economy is not doing so great and real people are not doing so great and yeah. real people for a volume manufacturer are critical. Yeah. And like, if there isn't some sort of, and there's plenty of reasons why this might be the right decision for the United States to do this, but like if we don't allow the Chinese manufacturers in to sell cars here, like it will be in part protectionism and it will be screwing poor people or just yep. normal people like who have to buy a vehicle and can't afford a 65, 75, $85,000 car that also has an extra $200 a month in subscriptions tacked onto it. <laughs> like it's, it's usually people love HOA fees and now they're finally coming to the automobile. This is like the weird, I'm not a centrist. I'm just sort of like a hybrid, hybrid anarchist, but it's like the one silver lining of this is it reminds me being old enough and seeing some of this stuff work through. And one of the features of the market when it is allowed to operate, which it rarely is, is like, it only takes one competitor to fix this. And so in cars in particular, I don't know why I keep going back to the Asian manufacturers because they definitely add, are trying to dabble with some subscription stuff too, but it just from a gut standpoint feels much more likely to me that a Toyota, Honda, Hyundai, or Chinese import, apparently not VinFast because that was like the worst launch I've ever seen, are going to come in and say, hey, you're all getting fleeced. Here's the deal. Like, buy right, this. There's a $20,000 EV or something that just works. Yeah. Like, with minimal accoutrements. But like, yeah. I mean, we do have Chinese cars here, like Polestar, completely like assembled I mean, in China. People don't even know it's are. a Chinese owner. Like, Is all the Polestar assembled in China? I know Volvo's like half Oh, the half. EV parts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and like, it's clear China has like is miles ahead of everybody else in the entire planet on electronics manufacturing. So, of course, they're probably going to be, a, a, you know, a, a leading manufacturer center for like future EVs. And that like they could eat American car companies lunch like in 10 years, 20 years for sure. Well, but, battery yeah. engineering cattle or CATL, however people say that is Chinese. Like the are you know, the biggest supplier of batteries, I believe, and also arguably the market, like the innovation leader may be, they claim, and I, they're big enough that I believe that it's probably true that they are about to launch solid state batteries, which is going to be a whole nother wow. revolution, yeah. like soon, like within the next, you know, few quarters and the Chinese domestic auto manufacturers, the products that they've been putting out are quite good by all reports. And so like, man, you know, it's like, I, I, it's how I always feel about American auto. It's like, and, and European auto too, like I'm, you know, that they're not much better, but it's like they get the right plan and they almost have it in their grasp. And then either bad luck or bad planning or arrogance like stops them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to, to take it back for, I'm sure only a moment to trucks, like <laughs> the Maverick was a perfect example. And it's like, the they Maverick was brilliant yeah. $20,000 high MPG 40 mile gallon truck. truck brilliant product at the right design in the right place in the right moment in culture and they Perfect. can't land the plane <laughs> but they got to make those you know Mustangs and Broncos and, and F-150s right and they just don't have the capability and capacity to make the low-end thing because guess what they probably make 500 bucks of profit or whatever yeah, on yeah. Each, each Maverick they sell and they don't get subscriptions from the Maverick and they don't get this and they don't get that. And so whenever the bean counters are like, yo, we have to like, this is where the money's at. You can't fault them for that. Yeah. But it's also that classic American or classic capitalism thing of 
capitalism as we practice it. I don't know why I'm being such an apologist for capitalism today, <laughs> except like I do think it has some you know minor benefits. It's like one of those things where you can see the cliff coming and it's like, yeah, I know there's a cliff coming, but if I break now, I will like probably not beat this speed record. And it's like, yeah, but... <laughs> But like, there would be another day for the speed record. Like, why don't you like build a relationship with your clients through their brands? Like, why don't you innovate and come up with new solutions that no one's ever come out with before? Like, why don't you do all these other things? And they just can't do it. Yeah. And it breaks my heart because I have no problem driving around. I mean, my, my Volvo, I'm very proud to say was built in Gothenburg, but like, or nearby, but like, I don't care, you know, if it was built in China, like yeah. it's. What do I give a shit? Like, it's yeah. fine. Most of the, like half of the American trucks are built in Mexico or Canada. Like, yeah. it, it, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. But what I do care about is the American brands and the American products because I like them and I want them to succeed. And I would probably buy American because it helps my country and it helps my colleagues and you know yeah. fellow citizens. But I'm also like, I'm not going to do it, it to do anybody any favors. And I just don't understand what it's going to take because I don't have the answer to be very clear. Like I can, I can point out the problems, but I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, $65,000, $80,000 Raptor R, like our Ranger, Ranger, Ranger Raptor. That's not a future way not to run a company. Everything is, I mean, capitalism is, everything's chasing short-term dollars and ignoring the long-term effects. I mean, that's the, <laughs> that's what our entire country is built on. Speaking of, there's a new Jeeps coming out that look pretty cool. I went way down the rabbit holes of that's forum. not a thing that can exist. Yeah. A Jeep that looks cool doesn't doesn't exist. <laughs> it's funny in forum world, they there's like guys that work at dealers that are looking at new SKUs coming down the purchasing system path. So like they can reverse engineer there's gonna be this many trim levels. Like we see 28 SKUs coming out for Jeep Wrangler 2024. That means and they'll break it all down. Like there's probably a Rubicon of this, there's a Sahara of this, you know, like it's, it's hilarious how they read the tea leaves and I've learned how that goes. But yeah, it's like they did a much better interior upgrade. Finally, they put like a 12 and a half inch really wide screen. And it's, oh, yeah, that screen looks good. Yeah, it's just sight line from the Speedo. Like, you know, it's exactly the way. I mean, honestly, I think I hate the vertical dash because our eyes are horizontal and we need to see horizontal things. So like, yeah, it's a really nice screen and it kind of mimics like a, a weird aftermarket screen where someone moved the the vent holes and made a super wide screen. It's funny to see a manufacturer chasing the aftermarket, but there is like a hacky dash um, LCD display you can get for a couple thousand bucks from China that looks amazing. But like Jeep basically implemented that. They finally put in fucking wireless CarPlay, which is like. I have a $50 dongle from Amazon that does that for me. It's so dumb. It's not baked in. And what else? Oh, they did do some big, like, uh, the big mechanical thing was they have full float axles in the Rubicon. And they're kind of, like, bulking up the Rubicon. They're making, like, a new higher end, like, basically Trail Hunter stuff. Like, Rubicon X is this new, like, super off-road stuff. Tell me more about that. Like, what's, I'm just going to totally expose my lack of knowledge, but, like, a full floating axle, explain that to me. It's like. I think I know it totally. uh, I know when you go to, like, buy new axles for an older Jeep, full float is always, like, an extra $1,000 option. And it's a way to, like, the housing holds the weight of the truck instead of the axles themselves or the points on the axles. Okay. So okay. like that's going to be factory in every Rubicon. And so like they're going to be like stronger axles, less likely to break. It's a better way to like distribute the weight. So like basically every off-roader I know is like, holy shit, like that's huge. That's like a $2,000 option when you're getting a Curry axle custom build if you want it full float. So like that's cool. They're going to throw that in. They're not doing much with the engines. They dropped the diesel last year. Oh, the one thing's cool, which I think was like going to blow people away. And people people do not like the plug-in hybrid, the 4 by e <laughs> They like <laughs> think like, why does this exist? Because when you're not using the battery, it gets worse gas mileage because it weighs 500 pounds more. So it like, it gets like 18 miles a gallon while a straight up non-electrified one with the, the small four liter engine gets like 20 miles a gallon. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. I just have to stop there. Like that's fucking absurd. Like yeah. for any non, like jeep wrangler owners are complaining about bad gas mileage like kiss my ass <laughs> i know i know Come and on. like the 392 gets like 13 miles a gallon because it's yeah. a monster v8 and it sounds great so nobody cares but 
the most brilliant thing in the world is they took the battery. Like I never know what to do with my battery or how long it's going to last. Or I don't know if the interior electronics go to that battery first versus the stock 12 volt. Like I don't, they, they're, it's completely a black box. The new one has three fucking inverter plugs on the battery pack. And they say all 17 kilowatts are available for all overlanding stuff. And the oh, thing sweet. that's brilliant to me is that like has the big level two flash charger for it. And when you look at all those like EcoFlow boxes, like these new little like, you know, like sort of generators, but just box batteries for going camping and stuff. They're like about a thousand bucks per kilowatt, like roughly. Like if you want to go really high end, I mean, you're spending three, four grand, you're getting like four kilowatts out of it. And Jeep was just like, we put some plugs in it and like we have a 17, like you get a 17 kilowatt battery to do, to run anything. You run a friggin' microwave, like really high amperage, really high output. Like, and I was like, wow. And you can totally drive on like gas only with a button on the dash and maintain that 17 kilowatt. Like that's such a psychotic amount of power for, for like camping. Like you could go, I mean, a week easily just running stuff on that thing. Like, yeah, that's fantastic. I was like, this is like an overland killer. Like this is amazing, but they haven't announced any gladiator stuff. It'd be cool if they made a four by E gladiator because gladiators are kind of way more built for overlanding. But I was just like, that's really smart to take an existing product and just make it way better with like minimal work. And now it's clear, like you're just sucking down this battery. You can plug in a fridge and you'll just run it only off this battery. You're never going to disable your Jeep if you leave it for a week. Like this is good stuff. Like I was really stoked on it. Do you Not think so much gonna... that I would sell my two-year-old one and get a new one, but I wasn't yeah. even going to ask because you say that now and then like next show, you're going to be like, I got the new one. <laughs> it is enticing to think like, boy, I could. With all the knowledge I have now that as a Jeep owner, what I'd want in a perfect Jeep, I could probably order. But yeah, not getting that. Mm, we'll see. The Gladiator, I don't think is selling very well. Yeah. Surprisingly, I think to me, I'm sure they're going to do it, you know, like the same refresh they just did for the Wrangler, like the interior yeah. stuff or whatever. But I was a little shocked when the Wrangler mid-cycle update was announced that that I like I wasn't surprised in that, you know, it wasn't that same day, but I would have thought Gladiator would have been announced like now as well. Yeah. And it kind of makes me wonder if they're going to kill Gladiator. I wonder. I mean, it's an ugly weird tank, but it does have a niche market like every off-roader I know loves those things. Even though it's a super long wheelbase, that's about its Achilles heel. Everything else about it is great. You have room for everything you could ever want. I looked at them for sure. There's really no reason I wouldn't get one. And and even the 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 looks to me it's it's crossed the Rubicon of ugly <laughs> because it's right. like so ugly that it's cool to me. Like yeah. it's like all right, it's what it's, it's it, it looks so about purpose. a year to get to that point where I hated it when it came. I was like this is the ugliest. It's a bed tacked onto it jeep it's so hideous and now no that, that's now i'm like yeah it's it's, it's so now funky. i find it appealing i mean crystal loves wranglers it's one of her like vehicles she's always wanted and like yeah and i hope she buys one for herself someday but I, yeah i i spent a second looking at gladiators the main reason i i'm trying to remember why i, I took it no off the link keep assist or anything like that like yeah i don't i don't think it had eight ass which was a factor for me and then uh the deals even though i know there are a ton on the lots there weren't like great deals happening when i looked this was a couple of months ago yeah yeah but i mean one is still 65 grand or something i'd still like i you know everyone they, i know they, is buying like a forty thousand dollar sport stripped one and then drop out, like strip it to the frame, and oh. you can get you can get new one ton axles and like long travel suspension for about like ten grand. You can have something that's way better than a Rubicon and stronger. I didn't. I mean, it's so obvious, but yeah, I didn't think about that at all because I was like, just looking at at Rubicons. Right, like they only put electronic lockers in the Rubicons, but they're like prone to failure. They fail on me half the time. I press the like lock. My front locker works about half the time, and like. <laughs> there's people that sell a little bypass device that you plug in in line like with the factory plugs to just ignore like some errors and it'll work more often for you like so it's like an arb you know like an air locker is always gonna work if you can blow air into it it's gonna work so that's what most people do is just go with arb lockers on like heavier axles on a cheaper jeep gladiator like i don't think i want it 
I don't think that's a path I'll go down, but I yeah. will definitely spend at least one to two hours in the next week going like, <laughs> huh, what if I, let me look up some price. You know? you know what rabbit hole I went down the other day was this company called Genrite makes their own Jeep frames for brand new Jeeps, but just better engineered. So it's like everything is a couple inches lower. They're like obsessed with lower center of gravity. But like their top end, I mean, they sell a, a new frame for a brand new Jeep for $25,000. That's everything is beefed up. You know, it's way stiffer. And like you can run 40 inch tires and like turn in Canyon roads because they've lowered the center of gravity by like six inches. And they make their own gas tanks that are larger, like all kinds of cool stuff. But then you realize, what is the labor cost on swap out a frame on a brand new Jeep? Yeah. You know, like $50,000. Like it's great. Like these are $100,000, $200,000 Jeeps in the end. Yeah. I mean, you either got to be really rich or you got to DIY it and accept that it's going to take you a year yeah. in your garage. And then like, you might as well it. start with like a co-part, you know, total Jeep because you're going to replace everything anyway. So might as well. Yeah, there is a, there's a, there's a small chance, I actually believe decent sized chance that I still end up buying a fifth gen Ranger. I won't talk about it now, but I, I had a couple of opportunities to potentially do like a, a sponsored build. Um, and, but if I did it, it wouldn't be with a new truck. I would have to do something, you know, like wrecked and then rebuild it. Yeah. Like, Cause that's part of the whole shtick. And so, yeah, I've kind of been thinking about that. I'm unfortunately in that spot where it's like, I can buy a truck, but I have so many other projects to do. Yeah, like, of course, project. I would love to build a truck from the ground up. It's like a dream of mine, but it yeah. probably like for most guys won't happen until I'm 65 years old and can just sit and work on it eight hours a day. And, <laughs> My wife and just asked done. me to flip a house the other day. I was like, hey, we should just buy this thing downtown, this ramshackle. We know what we're doing. And I was like, that's a retirement project, honey. Like, oh my God. Like, that's a full-time job for both of us. And we'd have no bandwidth. Like, no. I've that's been like I've been... I cleared a side of my property that was just overgrown and it's like, I don't know, maybe a hundred feet. It's not that much. And then realized the rock wall didn't extend all that way. And it was washing out where the rock wall was never built in. And a project that I thought was going to be like a weed eater project for two weekends. I am now like, I just went and bought a bunch of gravel and I'm like, I woke up this morning and started Googling cause it's in my backyard. I can't easily get a vehicle into it. I was Googling like, how do you move thousand pound rocks with like a, a come along? <laughs> like, like how do you <laughs> like that? The, the winch part I, I know how to do, but like the, the, like, how do you secure a rock? Like with straps and stuff. I was like, there's gotta be some best practices for this. And like, that's just my yard. I haven't even started on the inside of this place. Like, <laughs> You guys have jobs. Like you can't flip yeah, yeah. a house. <laughs> the only way to flip a house, I think, to do it would be, and it would still suck, but would be to like move out of your house, move into that house and live in it for a year and then like move out. But like Well, the tax hack is live in it for two years, then you get out of capital gains too. So Oh yeah. I every custom builder around here has like a really you know, the street of dreams, you know, tours. It's like builders building their family a personal rad house that they're going to live in for exactly two years and then build another and like flip that one. So, yeah, like I always think, you know, I really like that Street of Dreams house from two seasons ago. I should look into that. Like that guy's probably about to sell. It's like a lease. They're basically leasing their homes, you know, because they're just I really I really should not think that money is annoying and I should get geeked about learning how money works. But that's a conversation for another another time. <laughs> yeah. Rich people stuff. La last Speaking of rich people stuff. Yeah, last thing is I waited three years for a Rivian. I owned it for six weeks. It was going to be my main car two, three years ago when I needed a three-row SUV because when I ordered it, I was driving five 14-year-old girls to volleyball practice and matches and all the time. Like I needed a high. I, I was looking at three-row crossovers, everything back then. But I was like, oh, the electronic version is going to be the best. And it's only six months away. And then every six months, you get an email saying it's six more months away. So what I've learned is in my rich guy stuff of like pre-ordering a vehicle, pre-ordering every hot vehicle, you know, we've talked about before, and then trying to flip them or sell them or something. When you wait over three years for something, your life moves on. Like I was at, a, I'm at a completely different stage of life where I don't need a big ass 
I mean, it's like almost the size of Suburban. I don't need that. My wife doesn't need it. She hated driving it. Like she was like, this thing's a beast. You know, I, she really wants like a very compact, like she's thinking sports car at this point, since we have the Maverick for running chores. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, what I realized is when you pre-order a car, if you have to wait three or four years, your life moves on and you could be in a completely different state of when you needed it. So what I found was I, I asked around with like former work colleagues and stuff. Turns out a lot of people that used to work at Slack were on the waiting list for R1S and were like, so I sold it to a guy. I, didn't, I made a little bit of profit. It wasn't wild uh, to someone I worked with a long time ago. And like, he was just like, yeah, he was just skipping the line by a year or so. And he was just like, I want it now. This is fucking amazing. Like we talked about it casually over the DMs. And he was like, how can you pick me up at the airport tomorrow at noon? <laughs> like, and I was oh like, God. oh, okay yeah i'll move <laughs> some stuff around and then i picked him up and i couldn't pick him up at the airport in the car because he had it, he wanted it topped up to 100 percent in my garage so he could get back to california <laughs> it was rad so it was fine it was an adventure i love taking the one road trip i took in it it wasn't that bad um i wrote it up on my blog but like i did uh, 1400 miles or something in 48 hours in it i just drove to the bay area I had to get a whole bunch of family stuff out of a storage unit and drive it back. And it was the biggest car I owned. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like bigger than a minivan inside when you put all the seats down. So loaded it with like 50 art frames and furniture and like, it was great. But yeah, it was just like EV driving's not that bad. I wasn't that scared. This was the first time I just took an EV trip without any pre-planning. I just put it in the nav and saw what it did and like read forums about what to think about. But it was like very conservative in its estimates. It's terrible about telling you like how much mileage you really have left. I've heard Teslas are like incredibly accurate. You know, they'll say, oh, you should go to this charger 50 miles away and you'll have, you know, 40 miles left when you get there. The review would be like, you have 150 miles left, but we really think you should stop in 50 miles. And you'd be like, what? Why? <laughs> As you get closer, you're like, holy shit. It's like 80, 70, 60. Like, <laughs> it's just eating up. Like I'm going up in elevation. It's very cold. I did it in the winter. Like it's just terrible. at It's mathematics. Like it should have been more realistic. And the, the Teslas are really realistic about that. So yeah, I would show up to, I would do what the, a friend said, just do what the dash tells you to don't second guess it don't say i'm gonna go the next one i'm gonna go 30 further miles so i mean i did i did make sure i only picked like really high level you know fast chargers mostly electrify america are like there's like over 200 watt chargers available and most of those are at walmart parking lots which is weird i had to learn like what to do in a walmart for 30 minutes you you do have to stop about (laughs) how dare you yeah, that's an entire, that was my entire teen experience yeah. is figuring out what to do in a Walmart. For <laughs> you have to stop way more often. I would say in a gas car, I'm going 300 miles per tank. So I'm only going like, you know, this had a 300 mile battery, but they are conservative and they want you to stop early. So it's like every 200, 250 stop for 30, 40 minutes, get a fast charge. And it felt like at first, you know, it added, I think on the way down, it added an hour and a half to this 12 hour, you know, Typically, 10 to 12 hour drive was like 13 hours, 13 and a half hours. Way back was about the same. At first, it was annoying. It was like, well, I'm stopping more often than I want to. But on the other hand, it was like I was getting better food than fast food. I could like walk into a deli and get like a sandwich instead of McDonald's. And then like I was drinking tons of water and just having to pee all the time. And it was just better to stop every two hours to pee. That was just like more comfortable and less like cannonballing and ignoring your body and stuff. But yeah, like. I would say the EV was really nice. It was really powerful, but it was really big and it wasn't what I needed. And I could make a little money by just giving it to someone who has like a growing family. I think he had like four and six-year-olds who will love that car for the next 10 years. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with yeah. the car. You didn't take advantage of anybody. But yeah, if it doesn't work, it doesn't It doesn't work. Like <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm having kind of something similar where it's looking like my work is going to mean I have to travel a lot more for the next few months. And I was like, well, then what do I do with the new truck I want to buy? Like, no. it's well, going to be like, home. The Prius Prime looks yeah. pretty rad. And now yeah. it's like 45 miles on battery if you had a short commute. like I Speaking of, I'll give you some quick hits. I drove a Lucid Air. Uh, oh, wow. It's, uh, the, That's my a beast, review is, right? 
Oh, it's very good. It's very good. I just drove it for a few miles. Like uh, a friend had one and brought it by and then we drove to lunch. It's just, I mean, I barely got on it. It's not, you know, I didn't get anywhere near where I could tell that it is any different than a, a, a Model S Plaid or, you know, something like that. Like, good golly. But just a nice, nice car. I also, I have a Slack story that I don't think I ever told you, but when Slack was just coming out and I was really trying to get Gawker Media to switch over to it. I couldn't get our publisher to make the change. And so I had lied to him and said, well, I think I can migrate everybody over, but just use the free accounts and we won't have to pay. And then I, and then I tweeted that for him to be like, because I was like, of course we're going to pay. And of course, like this is a better option and I want to migrate us over. What I didn't know at the time was that Matt Honan was writing a piece with Stuart about slack and i ended up being quoted in that piece or stewart's like no he'll flip we got him i want to be clear and set the record straight here i was trying to do slack a fucking favor and just managing my bullshit boss and instead i became the dipshit in that article so you're welcome stewart and fuck you matt honan because you could have let me know and i wouldn't have made the tweet you know what's funny is like I joined in 2015 early and I remember the day we had a channel of every new customer and I think someone put Gawker fucking paid like after all yeah. like six months before oh, yeah. that art after that article came out there was some day oh, no, we in paid, early like, 2015 where you guys we paid we paid before the article came out yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like two weeks oh, right, where right. I was like where I was like yeah, yeah. we'll do it but anyway I just saw I never said that out loud before and I was always just like <laughs> And you know, Matt Honan is a, is a, is a bud. Like I love him to death, yeah, but yeah. it was just like, come on, man. Like, you know, you could have just like not put that in there, but it was a good, it was a good moment. And, and, and now Matt runs MIT's magazine and Stuart has a real estate empire. And I am hoping to be able to afford to buy a midsize truck. So yeah. in a way it worked out. Everybody uh, wins. <laughs> And then I, I have one little is a teaser for the next time. Oh, this is the first time I'm telling you this. I'm going to be coming through Portland specifically to see you or, you know, the Portland area in a couple of like a few weeks, like in oh. mid June, we're going to go see a concert. Yeah, I'll send you dates. We're going to go see a concert in the gorge and fly into Seattle. But, uh, you know, like that's the only thing we have planned. So I thought we'd just do a little circle down to Oregon and back. Yeah. But what we may be taking is a trailer that is called the extinction level event which has like air purification for a week a button you can hit that shoots bear spray out of the sides it's like a total crazy apocalypse trailer from this company called mammoth trailers that overland oh yeah i don't have it all sorted yet like the mammoth guys are like yeah oh my god that's an ugly trailer but wow it looks like i gotta figure it looks like I mean, a storm tra- storm chaser. <laughs> like it looks like a tornado person. It looks like all those Overland trailers look like just like a bear beefy, spray. Beefy I would actually use that in Montana. Wow. You would not. All right. I think we I, did it. I don't yeah. think we got anything else. I think Woo. we are great podcasters. I think we're empathetic, considerate people and uh, relatable content. Yep. Uh, yeah, Everyone's a human factors researcher who likes to go off-roading and preps but also is not a right i think the eight the the intersecting venn diagram of the people that love trucks but also know what gzip is i think all eight (laughs) of those people are gonna Ah. love this episode yeah this is a tight venn diagram